1: on the risen Christ Amen You can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm The only shelter from the coming storm.
2: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. It's obvious to me that I have not done an adequate job of presenting before you the gospel of Jesus Christ. For if I'd done an adequate job of presenting it to you, I have confidence that you would have chosen a different course. Why do I say that? Because as I talk with people, as I listen to what they say to me, it's obvious that most are still living very much in their own realm, in their own world, without regard for the coming judgment of God. So, I'm going to today once more take some sections and lay them out very clearly. I pray, Almighty God, that you will give me the words to speak, for we are in already the beginning of the judgment of your wrath upon this world. And I pray, Almighty God, that you will put In the heart of every person listening, a crying out to you, getting right with you, repenting and turning from sin. Lord, make it plain today where we stand and what's going to happen. In the name of Jesus, amen. I have bad news for you and I have good news for you. we would divide four sections. In the first section, there is no law. Every man does what he wants to do. God will call a man like he called Abraham, and Abraham will walk and grow in grace. He will leave his life of sin he will become very transparent and honest with God. And finally, God will test him, as he did Abraham calling him to offer his only son on an altar of burnt offering. But all the rest operate in what they choose to operate in. There is no law. But it's very clear from the flood That God does have a law, it simply had not yet been shared with everybody. And the consequence of breaking that law was the flood that totally destroyed all of humanity, save for Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives. God is not a tame wolf, God is a just God. And he is filled with wrath, according to Romans, the first chapter, toward every person who continues to walk in their own way. Now, in the second section, we have the law given. Moses gave the law on Mount Sinai. And that law clearly outlines what god's expectations are for human behavior but the law is given to a people who do not have the indwelling christ and so they cannot keep the law they have a fallen nature they have a wicked disposition They can't keep the law, so animals are slain to show that the blood of someone must be shed to pay the price for sin. So in this second section, which we call the Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant, lambs were sacrificed and they were then able to cover the sin of the people who confess their sin and who ask that they be forgiven, the blood would cover them. Then we come to another section. And this is the New Covenant. The New Covenant opens a way for righteousness to come in some way into the life of every person, but not by law. Now, the the bad news is that antinomianism, that is, anti-law, came into the Christian church. And increasingly, there was a total separation from Jesus in the New Covenant, in the New Testament church. Read the book of James. He addresses the sin of his people in the Jerusalem church in a very, very forthright manner. But you see, we live now with people divided under the new covenant into two camps. Some, how do I put this? Some have gone back to the early years where they say, I'm saved. I'm good to go. But they don't live righteous lives. They live wicked lives. But they say the law is no longer over me. And so now all I need to do is say a little sinner's prayer. Confess what I think I've done or haven't done. And I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. And I'm good to go. Wrong. That's a lie. The bad news is that if you are not radically changed by the blood of Jesus Christ and you no longer live your own agenda, you no longer live under the old wicked heart, you no longer live under the curse of Adam's sin, but now you have been transformed, you have been changed into a new creature. then you are not filled with Jesus Christ. You're still filled with yourself. And most people I know who call themselves Christians in America have never been converted. They have been socialized as wicked men and women. They have learned, okay, I'll stop. Being an alcoholic, i'll stop doing the drugs i'll I'll struggle to not fornicate, but if I love somebody, I can live with them anyway and and we're good to go. God will understand they think they're free to lie because they say I can't help myself. I'm a liar. Okay, we're all liars. I've asked very erudite men. Remember the Bible answer man? The question was asked of him, is it possible to leave our sin and to walk without sin? He said, absolutely no. Everything you do is sinful because it comes short of the glory of God. Well, Let me ask you a question. Was everything that Adam and Eve did of sin? When they were in the garden before they fell, were they mature? No, they were immature. Did they sin every day? No, do you understand? Sin is not a part of the human natural condition. The natural condition of man is, is to be one with god to fellowship with him to walk with him to obey him to be filled with his spirit that's the natural man before the fall of adam and eve when adam and eve gave up the ownership the title deed to this earth and gave it to the dragon they were changed they were transformed Now they could lie and cheat and steal. They lost everything. They're now vagabonds on this prison planet. You see, you have the time from the creation of the world until the flood that was utterly lawless and evil. You then have from the time of the flood to the time of Moses, where people don't know the law. But the scriptures say there was still death during that period of time. Men still died, even though there was no law. So no law was broken, but death reigned over men. And then Moses brought the law. Jesus brought the law to Mount Sinai. And now we have a very clear picture of what is required of man. Do you understand? The kingdom of God has rules. What would you imagine if in our world there were no stoplights? There were no stop signs. You could go whatever speed you wanted to go. You could drive any way you wanted to drive. There was no rule against breaking into someone's house and stealing what they had because that's what you wanted. If there were no law in America today, we would be an utterly lawless and unsafe and death-filled land because the more powerful would kill the weaker. No, America has laws. Now, we recognize that America was founded on Judeo-principles, judeo-christian principles and a law was put into effect but it was a law that was an honor system but today america has lost its morality it has lost its righteousness it's lost its courage and so laws are broken now on every hand and often with no consequence Can you imagine a kingdom of God where there is no law? So the new covenant is not a question of having no law and being free to do whatever you want to do. No, the new covenant is changing a man or a woman back into the same nature of Adam and Eve before they fell. It is to make them righteous, innocent. Are there still rules of the Yes. But now the new covenant, those rules are written in our hearts. They're written into our very being. Listen, Hebrews 10, verse 16. This is the covenant. I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. In other words, in the New Covenant, under the change made by the presence of Jesus' blood and his Holy Spirit, a man is crucified with Christ. And that man now has the law of God written on his mind, written in his heart, so that when he's doing his will, he's doing God's will. He's no longer walking in rebellion. He's walking in the fullness of Jesus Christ. Now the problem we're faced with is today in the Christian church, and this is why I open by saying, I don't feel I've been able to do an adequate job of explaining to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news. It is the good news, the wonderful news, that a man can be changed from a wicked man to a holy man. He can be transformed from that wicked Adam nature to a new nature. The scriptures say new in the sense of it has never existed in his life before. He is made new. He is made whole. And now he has the strength to not sin. You can tell the difference between a man who has the the new birth experience and the man who is still very religious, but still the old man. The new man has the full power and strength to say no to all sin and all rebellion and all wickedness, even as Jesus had that strength when he was tested by the devil. It's not in the man. It's it's the law of God having been written in his heart. It's the transformation. He's been given a new heart, a new will, a new way. He's a new creature. He's not an alcoholic anymore. Suddenly alcohol is removed from him. The demon of alcohol is removed. I know men who are under the control of the demon of alcohol or the demon of drugs or the demon of of wicked sexuality. A sex addict. I know men who are under the demon of total selfishness. These men are controlled, and these women are actually controlled by demonic powers. They're not just people, they're people being directed by demonic powers, by demons. A man can be set free. He can be taught the way of the cross. He can be taught how to be sanctified, how to be made holy, how to be made new. Well, let me read this for you. Galatians, the fifth chapter. It is for freedom, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What's the yoke of slavery? It's the yoke of the uncontrollable nature that goes the wrong direction of the sinful heart. In Galatians, the third chapter, verse 21, is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? No, the law was added because of our transgressions. It was to make us see in graphic detail what God expected of us as human beings if we were going to live with him. The rules of the road, if you please. Is the law opposed to the promises of God? No, the promise of God is to make us into new creatures, to set us free. The devil has convinced us that God wants to put us in bondage, but it's the devil who put us in bondage. Look around you. Look at what's happening in this world. This world is crashing. The economy is crashing. There is going to be a closing of the banks soon. And if you don't have any cash on hand, you won't be able to buy gasoline or food or anything else or pay rent or pay a mortgage. You've got to have cash because the whole system is coming unglued. The new world order, the mark of the beast is going to be given. We're going to see total tyranny take over this great nation. We're not going to be free in America anymore. We're going to see the one world government assert itself and bring the whole world into tyranny, destruction, death. I mean, look at the history of the world. Would you say the devil's done a pretty good job of destroying people, of killing us? Disease, sickness, Addictions. One good friend who was an alcoholic for many years is by God's grace free today. She's clean. She said to me, all addictions have a demonic power involved in keeping that person in that addiction and destroying them, if possible. If the law had been given, this is Galatians 3, verse 21, for if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. In other words, here's what's expected of you. If you live this way, you will be righteous. But the Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. In other words, a prisoner of rebellion. So that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. See, righteousness is a free gift of God. And faith is the means by which we receive that innocence faith in Jesus Christ, in his shed blood. That faith involves total submission. But Americans don't want to submit to anybody or anything. We'll be our own boss, thank you very much. Well, how's that worked out for us over the last 6,000 years? Not very well, I'd say. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. So the law ruled over the human race. You break the law, you die and when finally people began to say look i don't want to die and jesus came it led us to this messiah to this person who could free us from death that we might be justified by faith oh there's that word again and this is where this is where the heresy is fed because the word justified is not interpreted correctly according to the scriptures. I'm going to be showing you that in the rest of the book of Galatians. The word justify means to make righteous. The way you are made righteous is being crucified with Jesus Christ. Totally giving up your life. That we might be made righteous by faith. Now, the modern church teaches that you are justified by faith. That means to the modern church, you still walk in rebellion and sin against Jesus, but he doesn't see you that way. He sees you as being righteous and ready to go to heaven. So either Jesus doesn't see very clearly, or he's a liar. I'm not willing to say that Jesus Christ is a liar. He's not. And he sees you exactly the way you are, and he has offered you a way to be washed and cleansed and have no sin in your life. And it's through crucifixion, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. But it means that you are no longer a part of this world system. You have laid your anger down. You've laid your bitterness down. You've laid your fornication down. You've laid your lust for money down. Now you recognize the total evil of our age and of our day, of the television, of the wickedness of Hollywood. You recognize the violence of football. There is something so attractive to the human heart, to violence. And what's terrifying to me is that we men and some women love the violence of professional sports but the day will come when you don't have food to eat. And at that point, you're going to see violence executed against other human beings as they're killed and eaten in America. Oh, please don't don't feign, oh, how is that possible? Go back and look in history. Even in America, look at what happened at the Donner Pass. They ate each other when they got snowed in in the Donner Pass that wagon train. I mean, just Google Donner Pass. The scriptures describe armies coming and surrounding a city of Israel. And they run out of food. What do they do? They start eating each other, killing and eating their babies. See, see, We have lived in such wonderful blessing and luxury under Jesus Christ. But all of that is being withdrawn by the Lord God of heaven. His covering over America has been removed. And now his wrath is coming and his judgment against our wickedness and our sin The way has been opened for you to be made righteous by faith. And now that faith has come, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. You're all sons of God, that is, men and women. We're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ. That is, all of you were crucified with Christ. And what terrifies me is that most of you have not been crucified with Christ. You still live calling yourself a Christian. But you're still the old nature. You're still the wicked heart. You've never been transformed. You're still filled with bitterness and anger and lust. You're still a part of the world. You're still party with the world. You still, you're a worldly person. But you go to church, and your pastor is worldly. He stands in front of the congregation and tells jokes and laughs and carries on. Oh, my brother, and my sister, we are in such trouble. It says here, verse 27 of Galatians 3, For all of you who were baptized, I could say all of you who were crucified into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed that is, Jesus, and heirs according to the promise. See, how do I begin to say to you, the majority of you are still in slavery under the basic principles of this world. You've never come out of that. You're still filled with rage and anger. You're still filled with lust. You're still filled with the love of stuff, of things. You worship your dog, your cat. That's what Romans, the first chapter, said would happen. And he said, when that happens, when you worship created things, animals, that he would give you over to the lust of your heart for sexual impurity, for violence, for anger. And that's what's happened in the church. Divorce is rampant in the church. Abortions. Backbiting. I talked with a man this morning. He's like a son to me. He called me last week. And he told me he went to his boss and tried to convince his boss that the way the boss was doing things was wrong and they needed to do it his way. And the boss just said, look, we're doing it my way. So he called me and told me about it. I said, why don't you humble your heart? Who do you think you are to tell your boss how they're supposed to run the company? When you're the boss, you can do that. Well, he argued with me. I just want her to do it the right way. Well, who determines that it's the right way? Well, I do. No, you don't. You'll get fired. So he called me today. And I said, Pastor, I'm really in trouble at work. I said, what'd you do? He said, I went to the sales reps and tried to find out what they thought about my idea for how things should be changed. And evidently, they talked to my boss. And the boss knows that I tried to go behind her back and undercut her. Now, what do I do? I said, you repent. But you're not going to do that because you still believe you're the man and the thing should be done your way. You're filled with arrogance, hardness of heart. You need to repent and humble your heart. And then you need to zip your lip. And be quiet. You have not earned the right to tell your boss of some 35 years with that company how they should run that company. See this... This pride and this anger, this bitterness rises up in a man's heart or a woman's heart. How do I deal with this? I know that you do not belong to a church that teaches this at least there are not very many in washington or in this country most all teach that you're saved and you're on your way to heaven filled with your greed and filled with your anger and you're just supposed to repent and then you'll go back and do the same thing again most of you have never been crucified with christ jesus And you don't see the desperate need you have to be crucified with Christ, to be baptized and to enter into Jesus and be transformed and become a new person. There is no excuse for sin. If you can give me a legitimate excuse for sin, then sin becomes nothing. And you don't need Jesus, you don't need a Savior. You see, as long as you hold to the position that you're doing your best, but you spend as much time in entertainment as you spend in the scriptures, maybe more. Your response when a husband or wife speaks to you is to be defensive and angry. You want your way. You're not going to submit to anybody for any reason because you're, you know, you're the boss. You've not been changed. Your response is a serpent response, striking out, or a wolf nature where you're going to tear and bite and defend yourself. You don't have the nature of Jesus Christ. When are you going to get serious with Jesus and go all the way to the bottom and ask Jesus to crucify you with himself, to put your old man, your old nature to death and change you into his likeness and make you a new creature? When are you going to take that? wonderful opportunity offered to you by Jesus to die out to yourself. To renounce yourself. To pray through until until you know you are an heir of Abraham by faith. You can probably tell from my teaching I'm not interested in just giving you an intellectual erudite answer. This is a a problem of the heart. This is a heart of rebellion. We can become very sentimental and in that sentimentality say, oh, I love Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. But in reality, you know, you're going to go sin again. Because you've never renounced all sin in your heart. You have these things you love. You love that alcohol, you love that cigarette, you love that person you're living with that you're not married to. You love getting mad at your husband or your wife. You you love the fight. You love to argue. You have the old nature. You're not humble. You're not teachable. When I talk about revival, what I'm talking about is suddenly, out of the crying of our heart before Almighty God, he comes in power and changes you. And you will certainly feel like you are physically dying as you go through that process. You've heard me say that this so-called revival in Kentucky was not a revival. It may have been a refreshing, but I can tell you now the old nature does not die singing pretty little Christian ditties. I can tell you now the old nature is very pleased by religiosity. And then as... Something gets moving and people say it's revival and everybody gets excited and let's jump on the bandwagon. No, revival is being crucified. And it's accompanied by sobs and weeping and tears because we see that we're about to be cast into hell, the fires of eternity. And we see the grave danger we're in and we see how impossible it is for us to change our nature and we cry out to God. And he comes and he gives us the victory and he washes us clean and he gives us a new heart. He gives us a new mind. He gives us a new way to live. He gives us a whole new way to think. The old is gone and the new has come. Chapter four of Galatians says in verse three, so also we were children. When we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of this world. I'm not, please. I'm not trying to get you to, to take one little part of your heart and change that. I'm asking a total remake of yourself by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm asking that you no longer walk in any rebellion against God. I'm expecting that you will not sin against Almighty God, that you will see that sin leads to death. Now, I'm not talking about super maturity. No, I'm still immature, but I'm not walking in sin what, pastor? You're saying, you know, no, I'm not walking in rebellion against God. I love him and I serve him and he's made me into a new creature. I'm not the same old man. You know, I've made so many foolish and dumb mistakes in my life. Partly because of my sin nature, which by the grace of God, he's removed. And some out of immaturity and not seeking the face of Jesus. But I'm not in slavery anymore under the basic principles of this world. You see, God sent Jesus, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem each of us who is living under the condemnation of the law and to give to us the free rights of a son and a daughter of God. So I'm not a slave any more; I'm free in Jesus. I am his son. God has made me an heir of the kingdom of heaven. Formally, verse 8, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or are rather known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. He says in verse 18, I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's, that's where this pastor is. I am in anguish before God over this issue. I am in the pain of childbirth for you until Christ be formed in you that you turn away from the darkness. I want to share going to go ahead i'll come back to this again next week verse 13 of chapter 5 you my brothers were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature rather serve one another in love The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not glorify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before... That those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I've been really plain with you. I pray. I pray it's made sense in your heart. And I pray the convicting power of God is coming into your spirit. And that you will begin to pray day and night. Oh God, crucify me. Crucify me, Jesus. Remove this old nature from me. I don't want it anymore. I hate it. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be filled by your spirit. I want to live like you, Jesus. I hope you know. There's a pastor who's praying for you. And I love you. Or I wouldn't come and talk this way to you. I want you to stand firm. I don't want you to be burdened by sin. I don't want you to be a slave to darkness. I want you to walk in freedom and love and joy. A new creature in Christ. Ready to hear and do what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and is calling for you to do and be. Where this should first be most evident is with your wife or your husband. It should be evident where you work. It should be evident where you go. Everywhere you go, there should be the aroma of Jesus spreading out from you to all of those around you. Well, we're out of time for today. I just want to say very quickly, thank you for those of you who are giving to cover the cost of radio. We have a whole week left, but we're a long way from being able to cover radio for this month. The bill is well over $4,000. I don't have any source except Jesus, as he moves in the hearts of his people, to say, yes, we need to hear this. We need more of this. Keep preaching it, Pastor. So would you consider giving hilariously for the work of the gospel. Your money soon will not be worth anything. Give while you can. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenlee, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also give online by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. That's our YouTube channel. We broadcast live on 780 AM, and also we broadcast live on the YouTube studio. By the way, that's why I wear headphones, so I can hear my producer down at the Wava station in his studio as he tells me what time we have so we're just about out of time today God bless you my brother my sister I'm going to keep preaching the straight truth I hope you will join with me in being crucified with Christ Jesus I love you
1: I'll talk to you soon